It's time for episode 398 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 12, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's about three times as long as the Queen's speech, at least as it was in 2019 or 2020, I think. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I'm joined across the internet by my good pal and dungeon buddy, it's Dan the Man Morin. Hello, Dan. Hello, Micah. I prefer that you address me by my title, Your Majesty, uh, (laughs) so I can give my, my speech now. Your Majesty, thank you, Dad thank you, Morn. thank you, sir, Sir Micah, thank you. <laughs> We're just making up titles everywhere. There we go. Um, we, of course, do this show where we have two awesome guests, and to my left is host of the Mac Observer Daily Observations podcast and all around rabble rouser. It's <laughs> Kelly Gamont. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Hi, I'm glad to be back. And to my left this week, it is a a web editor and producer of the Texas Standard, and of course, the host of the fabulous tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles show right here on Relay FM Parallel. It's Shelley Brisbane. Welcome back, Shelley. Hello, Dan. Thanks for having me. A pleasure as always. Alrighty, folks, let us kick things off with four topics in thirty minutes. Uh, my question for you. Spam calls and texts. I've been getting a lot of them, and I feel like you may be too. Amazon actually just uh, recently announced they were going to be suing, uh, I don't know who, uh, but to deal with some of these spam texts. And so I'm curious, what do you do to deal with them, if anything? Kelly? Um, I don't get a ton, and I think part of it is because um, I feel like sometimes I'm the last person uh, to freely give out my phone number to people, to anybody that wants it. Um, je- so I, d- I don't get a ton of spam text. Um, I get the occasional robocall and I just use the iOS 14, I think it's 14 feature that um, if the number's not in my contacts and I have not called it recently, um, then it doesn't ring. And it just shows me that the phone rang. And then if they leave a voicemail, that's great. And if they don't, I don't worry about it. Um, but between the um, the I don't use it, uh, you know, if it doesn't ring, so I don't end up answering the phone and visual voicemail, I have a pretty good handle on like who actually needs to talk to me. And that seems to be uh, the most helpful. Yeah, for phone calls, I I don't quite I don't turn on that feature because I'm always worried about missing calls. But I do generally not answer the phone unless it's either from somebody i know or from a number and i'm like expecting a call texts are a little weirder i I started having this problem recently with group texts where essentially somebody would spam a whole ton of numbers at the same time and we'd end up on a thread with one of those endless like people replying constantly to telling them to stop threatening to sue them uh my favorite was somebody in the thread threatened to put a curse on them which i thought was actually hilarious (laughs) that's amazing uh and of course you know it just turns into more and more Uh, it turns out that that was being sent by an email because there is this thing where like email addresses can send texts using like a bridge and what i discovered is if you are an at&t subscriber you can call somebody at the customer service and ask i'm not this is going to sound really weird and esoteric but trust me it does work 
You call them up and you ask them to find article 446389. No joke. This is a thing. Like, literally, I called them up and like, oh, yeah, we know about this. I'm like, why don't you do this by default then? But nope, you have to call them up and mention that you're getting like spam from email addresses and they can turn off that gateway for your number. So you can still get spam from numbers and stuff, but you can't get as much of the mass produced spam from just a random email address they used to get. So if you're an AT&T subscriber, check that out. I think some of the other uh, providers have their own version of that that you may have other other ways of addressing. So that's my spam tip for you today. Shelly, what about you? I'll quickly say that the funniest spam texts I get, and it seems to be one entity who wants me to be a published author and they're going to help me. Of course, I am a published author, so thanks, but no thanks. Uh, not not reading the room very well, buddies. Uh, I don't have an app that I use. I wish I did because, unfortunately, I have to take a lot of calls for the day job, people that I have to talk to for radio stories whose numbers aren't in my contacts. And so I do the iOS. I don't answer my phone by default. I do the iOS thing where I block uh, non-contact, uh, block numbers from non-contacts from ringing. I mean, the the call still happens, and I can still get a voicemail. But I I would love to be able to use an app, and then I will affirmatively. And it, maybe it's a time waster, maybe not. But when I get spam calls. I will affirmatively block those numbers. Mm. And the last thing I do is I make sure that don't allow repeated calls thing is turned on in iOS because I do find that a lot of times if you let a spam number go through, even if you don't answer it, it'll try and call you again. And uh, I I get the kind of spam where the numbers are very close to my own phone number or they're located in my town. Yep. Yep. Local call spam. Yeah. Tons of local call spam and little towns around my town. So uh, those... I can even just block without looking at them because I don't know anybody in Hereford, Texas. I really don't. <laughs> you don't? No. Um, well, folks, that was all great advice for me. I use RoboKiller, um, which is a fantastic app that not only handles um, calls, but also handles text messages. Um, so it lets you remove those um those texts and report them for for issues uh when i have robokiller turned on it absolutely is wonderful but as dan was talking about it's definitely an ios thing um for some reason sometimes when you update or if you're running beta it will turn off uh the system and then it doesn't work as well but i do also have um silence unknown callers turned on um but like dan i also have that issue of sometimes um so for example my a has been broken in my apartment and they're working on it and are ending up needing to replace the compressor entirely. And so they need to be able to call me. Um, and whenever I have silence, unknown callers turned on and I have that turned on, it's hard for them to get in touch with me. So I've had to pause it like during periods where I'm getting uh, assistance from folks, which is kind of annoying. So it could be troublesome, um, but I'm going to have to check out that 446389 thing mm-hmm. uh, to deal with text <laughs> messages. Very handy tip uh, there. It was a song in the 80s, I think. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah, reminds yeah. me of that spammy, that horrible... I got your number. <laughs> it reminds me of that horrible clone order. Uh, oh yeah, order sixty six, order four four six three eight nine. Yeah, it's a positive yeah. one. So I just like whisper that on the phone four four <laughs> six three eight nine, and then Excellent. suddenly I've got unlimited power. I will point out, I think all the providers have um, some sort of service where you can sort of opt in for a free level of robocall blocking. So it's just robocalls. But you can opt into that and then 
um, AT&T has a paid like spam protector line and that has basically eliminated it and it's two or three dollars a month. Yes, they do have a free tier and then uh, a paid tier. Um, AT&T Call Protect, I think is what it's called. Um, Alrighty, let us move on to our next topic, which comes from Kelly. So um, I was absolutely not coming up with an idea. So I have to give credit to my friend Charlotte over at Mac Observer, who is the host of the Media Plus podcast for this one. Um, Apple TV Plus, uh, according to my subscription panel anyway, in the App Store, uh, says that it's going to start billing people on July 1st. And uh, when it's my so my question to everyone is when it stops being free, will you keep it? That's a good question. I think the answer is yes in the short run. Uh, the reason for that being, <laughs> I think the second season of Ted Lasso debuts Ted like Lasso right around then. July twenty so, seventh. Yeah, so like so, no yeah. point, no point in canceling and then and then just restarting. Uh, there are also a few other shows that I like on there. Uh, I've watched uh, For All Mankind, which I love. It's a great show. Um, my wife and I actually just started watching Mythic Quest, which I really enjoyed. And um, I'm really looking forward to the Foundation show that I think starts later this year, which is on Apple TV Plus. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like, well, I could turn it off and then turn it back on again, but I feel like there's enough in there to keep me going for a little bit. So I'll probably keep it in the short run, but and especially in the longer run, I might switch to the Apple One bundle because I'm not on that yet, and that will probably just be like, no, well, now I just get it. I'm a big service rotator, and I'm probably going to rotate out of Apple TV Plus in July because there's nothing that's compelling to me right then but i love for all mankind too but i don't think it's coming back as soon as july so i'll just wait and uh that maybe will free me up to to pick another service to subscribe to uh temporarily in that at that time i'm an apple one uh subscriber so i there won't be any turning off for me (laughs) in the first place i have the uh one that has everything built into it um yeah i will definitely be keeping it because it uh it's already it's already been kept (laughs) kelly what about you i I think i'm going to are there uh, as well so right now i pay for uh, apple music yearly to get a deal and i paid for a year of fitness plus up front uh for the the deal price and so uh right now the bundle doesn't make sense so um i will probably pay for apple tv until um it comes time to sit down and look at all the stuff i'm paying apple for and see if consolidating it makes any sense um but i'm definitely going to keep it i'm very very much looking forward to ted lasso and uh there's there's been some other stuff i've sort of dabbled a little more in tv plus lately and uh so far everything i've watched i've enjoyed so i'm probably going to keep it and at five bucks a month uh it's no great hardship uh to continue to continue paying for it all righty folks uh i checked the time and it looks like we've reached halftime so we'll take a quick break before we come back with some more topics i want to tell you about the intrazone who are bringing you this episode of Clockwise. Uh, Of course, it's always fun to find a new podcast to listen to, and sometimes you should look places where you may not expect. Uh, One of those places is The Intrazone, which is a bi-weekly podcast. It's got conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. And maybe on the front of it, that sounds super nerdy, but what I like about this show is that there is some uh, opportunity for inspiration uh, for for using these tools and similar tools to uh, improve your own workflow. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life. 
life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments. You're going to get news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs, and upcoming events. And the topics for each show are quite interesting. Previous episodes have covered migration to the cloud, Power Platform, API and Teamwork, Office 365, OneDrive, Teams, and Microsoft Stream or MS Stream. Uh, One of the ones that I've uh, talked about before, and it's still, I think, a really interesting one for folks to check out, it's called Power Platform. And with Power Platform, you get to be in control of creating sort of apps and services using easy tools. It's low to no code in order to create kind of automations and and, uh, other things. So you, you know, you can plug it in with all of the other Microsoft 365 tools that you use and even set things up for, you know, getting notified when certain things happen. So uh, go and listen to it now. You just search for The IntraZone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or just click the link in the show notes to check it out. Thanks so much to The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for its support of this show and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, Dan. Your Majesty, what is your topic? Thank you for asking. I thought I might have to record a podcast outside of the house today. Gasp. With something which I haven't done (gasps) in over a year. Uh, What is this outside the house of which you speak? And I... (laughs) I don't know where that is. (laughs) I don't either. I realized that I, uh, because I bought an M1 MacBook Air in the intervening time, uh, my travel mic no longer connects to it because it doesn't have a USB-C cable. The dongle life has struck again, uh, and so I had to go online and order some USB-C to USB mini, I can never remember which one, USB mini connectors, uh, so mm-hmm. that I can use this in the future. And my question for you is, are you living the dongle life? Do you have a lot of adapters, or do you tend to replace hardware with newer models to avoid these kinds of problems? Shelly? I use a fair number of dongles, uh, not to a Rube Goldberg extent. I mean, I have a, I actually do right now have on my MacBook Pro, I have one dock on each side that gives me a couple of USB-A ports because the camera and the microphone and all those things. And I don't mind replacing a dongle here or there, but I have a lovely webcam that I've had for years and I'm not going to replace that thing. So I'm going to have to dongle it in some fashion. And it's it's usually about that. It's about the fact that the, the device I have that I'm having to dongle to the new thing is a good enough device that I'm not just going to kick it overboard because, oh, my God, there's no USB-C port for, for it. So, I yeah, unfortunately, I have more dongles than I like. And it means that when I never when I when and if I ever get back to traveling. My my little bag full of dongles is still going to have to go with me. <laughs> my bag full of dongles. <laughs> um, I so here's the problem: is that a lot of times a dongle a dongle don't do it, and uh, you can quote me on that. A, a lot of times I've found that if you can have the plug, it, the, I should be very clear. I'm talking about the more modern technology, if it's on the other side of the dongle, um, it is that, you know, you're plugging it into your computer that's older to connect to the port that's newer via a dongle. Um, a lot of times, a dongle don't do it. Um, and so, I do feel like if I can use the most recent technology that's available, that is better. Um, but occasionally, you know, I've got uh, right here next to my computer at all times, 
my I've got a 16 inch MacBook Pro and I've got a USB C that plugs into the MacBook Pro with a USB A on the other end. It's Apple's USB C to USB A cord, and that one works just fine. Um, but yeah, I. I try, I do my best to make sure that all of my cables are the most recent cables. So uh, I've upgraded a lot of um, my lightning cables from USB-A to lightning to USB-C to lightning. And that has resulted in uh, quite a bit of improvement. And then it also means, you know, faster charging in some cases. So yeah, I try to use the most recent technology as much as I can. But occasionally, you know, you do need a dongle to do it. And so you have to have that step in. But in those cases, I'd rather use a dock than a dongle, uh, like my CalDigit TS3 Plus dock, which is homemade. Uh, what about you, Kelly? Yes. Like you, I've sort of done some strategic upgrading. Um, like I have an external hard drive that is a US, that had a USB-A cable. And I went and spent like eight entire dollars to upgrade it to a USB-C so I could plug it directly into my new machine. I have an M1 uh, MacBook Pro. And so... Um, I've strategically upgraded like a couple of cables to make sure that I have something that if I need to, I can plug it directly into my computer. Um, but for the most part, I haven't really needed a ton of dongles in the first place. So I haven't worried about it that much. Um, I currently have an OWC Thunderbolt dock on my desk for things that are still USB-A and not going to change like, uh, my webcam and my microphone, which is also uh, using a USB-A cable, and I was just wondering the other day if it was something that I was going to have to upgrade uh, to USB-C in case it was a thing I ended up having to plug directly into my machine. So um, I've kind of been in Dan's position, but mostly um, I'm, I am I don't have a ton of dongles in the first place. I do have a fair number of adapters and dongles that I've uh, picked up, you know, in case, but I've tried to be better about not doing that because a lot of times I will buy them and then I don't actually need them for anything. So I've been sort of waiting for the use case to pop up before I end up getting one. And uh, because they're a lot easier to obtain than they used to be when I had to figure out what was going to hook up to my PowerBook G4, for example. So um, I've tried to be better about not getting them just so that I have them because they're dongles, they're not Pokemon. So yeah. you have to catch all of them. Yeah, I had the same thing where I tried to get rid of uh, a lot of adapters and dongles that I had thinking I would simplify a bit. And of course, then you just start acquiring new ones. I try, I, I prefer not to deal with dongles if I can avoid it. The switching to the MacBook Air is the first time I'm on a machine that only has like the USB-C connectors. And that was sort of the big moment where I'm like, okay, I'm, I can't really avoid some of these things. Um, recently ran out of ports on the back of my 27 uh, inch iMac and sort bought a USB-C to USB-A hub, which is fine, but a lot of the stuff that's connected I don't want to run through a hub because I feel like it often runs into problems, as I think Micah was sort of discussing earlier. Sometimes they can, you know, a dongle or a hub doesn't quite cut it, uh, or it can have sort of uh, performance degradation issues and stuff. So I tried that, and it didn't work with my USB-A microphone when I plugged it into my MacBook Air. I didn't get any sound. So that wasn't great. Uh, I hope that more and more stuff just starts, you know, moving to USB-C and or I start being able to use more stuff that's wireless because I feel like that helps solve a lot of these problems. Um, But yeah, for now, I'm sort of trying to minimize my dongle life insofar as I can. Thank you all for your thoughts on that topic. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Shelly. So Apple has gotten a fair bit of criticism for AirPods because they're not perceived to be 
ecologically good because the batteries aren't replaceable and there are these little things that at some point the, the batteries die and you either have to get new ones or move on to something else. At the same time, Apple touts its environmental work recycling and reusing products that go into its devices and it allows you to trade in or bring in your device for recycling. So Apple is sort of fighting the good fight or saying it is on their own side. And I guess I wonder, in your own technology life, have you ever made decisions about when to acquire or when not to acquire technology for ecological reasons? You know, Shelley, it's interesting. It's uh, it's a newer thing for me um, to to be con- you know to to consider that it was not something that I considered when I first. Um, they often talk about how uh, those concerns are are easier when you are in a more financially stable situation it's like almost to a joke where you you start to add on uh these things that you're concerned about whenever it's at the base level and growing up um in a relatively poor uh household it just the idea of having an apple gadget at all was kind of um uh, an aspirational thing for sure and um over time, you know, now that it's sort of secondary to everything and that it's part of my job, so I do tend to have um, the latest gadgets, it is something that I have become more um, aware of. And especially in the market of, of AirPods, there's been a lot of conversation around that, so it's been really front of mind for me. Um but it is also it's one of those things where like I do my best to uh, look up how these things should be properly disposed of, where you're supposed to send them for recycling or or you know return them or what have you. Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting that that's one of those things that I used to not think of at all, uh, but has become more front of mind over time. Kelly, what about you? Well, I uh, just bought a pair of airpod pros um but part of why i felt okay doing that is because um i have discovered that there's this um website called the pod swap that will take your headphones and basically uh the way it works is you send them your airpods or airpod pros uh you send those to them and then they send you back a different set where they've replaced the battery in them for you. And then someone else will get your original, your original ones that have now been disinfected and have new batteries in them so that there is continued life in those devices. Um, I actually have held off buying a new thing or throwing away a thing like this is still good. This is still valid. Um, But I also, uh, because I live in Portland, I have the alternative of uh, donating that stuff to a place called free geek which takes like takes a lot of e-cycling and all that kind of stuff and they refurb the other stuff and do things with it with folks in the community and give people opportunities to learn about how to work on technology and how to repair things and that kind of stuff so uh, not necessarily holding off buying a new thing but sometimes steering towards something else can i get something that's biodegradable for this situation can i get something that's made from recycled materials for the situation or or things like that if there's if there's an option where i can do something that might be a little more environmentally friendly um if it's a thing i'm going to do trying to find a little bit better way to do it yeah for me i think a lot of times the major decision i make is trying not to replace things too frequently uh, especially larger purchases you know whether it be an ipad or a mac or something like that i tend to really you know 
I had my, uh, uh, before I got my M1 Air last year, my, I was using an 11 inch from 2014. So, you know, six years old, uh, before I replaced it, uh, my iPad and my iMac are both four years old and I don't know that I'm going to replace either of them immediately. I would tend to like hand them down if I did. And I went through a big cleaning, as I mentioned, sort of our previous conversation with the dongles, like I cleaned out a bunch of my cables and stuff and took them to our, had to take them to our electronics recycling location around here. And so I tried to, as much as I can, when I dispose of stuff, try to dispose of it responsibly. Uh, I wish that was a little easier. Honestly, I wish that um, programs were a little more widespread and a little more in depth in terms of what the kind of stuff that they take, because there's a lot of restrictions. uh, And you never really know like, okay, I'm putting this in a recycling electronics recycling bin, will it actually get recycled? Or is that just a nice way of saying it's going to end up in a landfill somewhere? I don't Mm -hmm. know, especially the older I get, and the more I also just want less clutter and stuff in my (laughs) house, period. So, uh, you know, it's all to the good. Well, I'm glad Kelly mentioned PodSwap because this all started when I was thinking about the pair of AirPods I have now, which is my second set, and I can tell the batteries are not as good as they were when I got them. And so I'm like, well, what should I do? And I might end up pod swapping them. I still actually have the first pair because I couldn't bear to throw them away. And so that may be what I do is I take the first pair and and pod swap them out. I thought about this, too, because I, I know a lot of folks decide to get a phone every year because of the Apple upgrade plan or sometimes every two years because because they can. And I, I don't, it's not for me to cast aspersions on that, but I made a personal decision that I was going to try and keep phones as long as I reasonably could, both in terms of the battery lasting and in terms of just usability in terms of the kind of work I do. Uh, and I don't have to have the latest phone in my life, strictly speaking, for the work I do, but it's nice to have. And I have an iPhone XR that I've had, will have had three years at the end of this current cycle, and I'm probably going to get a new one. And I I have several Apple products right now where I can tell that the battery, I'm having a degraded battery experience. And that bums me Mm -hmm. out because Mm -hmm. my uh, desire to keep the old gadgets kind of outweighs my desire for, for new ones. But when the batteries become an issue... Then I start thinking, well, I'm, I'm actually getting less benefit out of them. And when I give them away, like if I give them to a family member as opposed to donating them somewhere, I'm giving them a degraded experience. Here's my iPhone XR. I'm giving it to you because it's no longer as good as it used to be, but maybe it's better than what you already have. But I have donated a lot of stuff when I could to uh, local nonprofits that either resell them or refurb them in some way. But I think the hardest part for me has been that decision to just say, let me think about how often I want to get a new phone. Instead of being on the sort of default two-year track, let me see if I can last with one phone for three years. And I guess it's easy for me to say because, like I say, now is the year that I think I might get myself another phone. But uh, it would be a challenge if you said to me, all right, Shelley, why don't you you know, put your money where your mouth is and make it four years? Uh, I don't know. We'll talk in September. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, folks, uh, it, that brings us nearly to the end of another episode of Clockwise. We'll have a bonus topic for you in just a second, but I want to tell you about a really cool app. Uh, it's called Clean My Mac X. That's right. They tell us it's actually pronounced X, which always throws me off, but Clean My Mac <laughs> X. I love it. You should be able to rely on your computer. I think that's an easy thing to say, and it should be in good enough shape to get you to your goals. It should be fast and organized and make working on it a dream right? All of those things we can agree to, but unfortunately, that's not always the case. If you're a Mac user, you should definitely check out Clean My Mac X from MacPaul. It's 
diligent developers, and uh, many of these developers are, are folks in the Mac community that uh, that you know you can trust. Clean My Mac X is an ideal decluttering app for Mac. So what does it do? Well, Clean My Mac X includes forty nine tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up the Mac so it runs at maximum speed. It also organizes disk space, showing you large hidden folders. Plus, you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. And, by the way, it also fights Mac-specific malware and adware to help protect your computer. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked for security. And it really stands out on design. It makes such a difference when an app is enjoyable to use, so you'll always be discovering new ways to optimize your Mac. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash clockwise. That discount is only valid for two weeks, so go now to macpaw.app slash clockwise, macpaw.app slash clockwise for 5% off. And our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Alrighty, folks, my bonus topic for you. What is your preferred temperature for inside your home? Kelly, we'll start with you. It depends. Um, when it's very warm outside, I prefer server room as a temperature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like 72, which I think is what people say is room temperature. 72 sounds nice, uh, but I tend to sort of try to conserve heat. So it's probably in the high 60s, 68, 69, but uh, it doesn't stop uh, the space heater from occasionally coming on. I have to express it in winter and summer terms because that's the two seasons we have here. And by winter, I mean <laughs> fall for most people. Uh, in summer, probably 77. In Oof. winter, 73. I like to be cold. So between 68 and 70 degrees here in California is good. Alrighty, let us uh, wrap things up by thanking our awesome guests. Kelly Gamont, thank you so much for being with us today. It was a blast. Thanks so much for having me. And Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.